This is an AMI podcast. You're listening to the Kitchen Confession Podcast with Chef Mary Mammoliti. Let's talk about the tipping culture. Is it the responsibility of the employer? Is it a responsibility of the customer? Should the government get involved and increase those wages? When do you tip? When don't you? What are your thoughts around this? So I come from Europe where we don't tip. Tip the tip culture doesn't exist. So to me, like tipping is actually madness. I don't want somebody to gamble on their life coming to work. That's what it is. Maybe I'm gonna work two hours and gonna get cut. So I've made like fifteen dollars today, and then I'm relying on tips to live. Um, on the other note, um, while I'm a server and I work in uh, those establishments where I'm going to get tipped two, three, four, five hundred dollars six hundred dollars um, a, a day, and then the cooks make nothing. If we could kind of like get rid of the whole together, um, I think it would be a good idea. That's my personal opinion. And just pay your employees fairly. And pay your employees fairly. So they know what to expect and they know that regardless, we got their back. That's Romain Avril. He's a Michelin-trained chef, entrepreneur, and Canadian media personality. In our last episode, we spoke with him about his international culinary training, French-Asian fusion style, and his serve-it-or-trash-it review series. So, if you missed part one, go back and check it out. But there was so much more that we wanted to share. So, here's part two of our conversation with Romain. You've gone from sous chef to executive chef, restaurateur, Chopped Canada finalist twice and appeared as a guest judge on Top Chef Canada. Which would you say would be more stressful, the hustle and bustle of a packed kitchen during a busy dinner service or maybe the pressure cooker of a televised cooking competition? So, so like, it's funny because I absolutely get zero stress when I'm on TV. I absolutely love it. I'm like um like a fish in 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 the, in the water. Like it's it's absolutely crazy. Like I get so excited. I'm I feel like it's like I'm eating the best plate of food and I'm just in heaven. Um in food heaven. I feel the same way when I'm on TV. I, I don't get me wrong, it's stressful because you do get the pressure of the cameras and you have to get something on the plate within certain time and all. But it, it feel I feel like whatever like worst case like what what's gonna happen you know what I mean like I just go home tonight and nobody's gonna be mad at me because it's just me myself and I in the kitchen as a sous chef it's stressful because you're not completely holding everything because there's people above you so you you deal with the mess and you get to it but at the end of the day somebody's ear above you one new executive chef. Now people are relying on you. Every eyes are looking at you and you have to give them back because they trust you. And to me, the biggest thing is that my staff come in and they're like, chef's here, everything's okay. That's always been kind of like my motto. I never want them to feel like I'm going to put something on them or like blame them or be like, oh, well, fuck you. You're on your own. You know what I mean? Type thing. So, so I think definitely executive chef because then you become a dad, um, you become a chef, you become uh, the guy who has to deal with suppliers because they haven't been paid. Um, you deal with servers that, you know, that, that, that made a mistake or, or not having a great day. Um, so you have to wear so many, so many, so many hats that um, then you almost forget about yourself, right? You're just like, there's so many things that I got to think about about others. So I don't know if it's stressful, but it's definitely, um, it takes a, lo- a big toll on you because you have so many things to think about and um and to take care of then going back to the competition why would you or why did you choose to compete on chopped canada where'd that decision come from 
Well, I mean, you know, we we talked about um, earlier, and then you know, you you want to achieve things, right? So to me, I have kind of like my like I'm looking at my all the boxes I got to tick, right? Like the bucket list, and uh, being on TV was one of them. I was just like, listen, I'm gonna put all these thoughts, all these dreams into a piece of paper, and then you know what? They happen, fantastic. They don't. Well, at least I've tried. Or at least I had a goal. I had an idea. And that's really what it was. I was just like, whatever, there's an application. Um, I think it was my second show, the first time I applied to be on Top Chef Canada as a candidate. Um, but unfortunately, I was not a resident at the time. So I went through and then they realized, I'm like, by the way, you're not Canadian. I'm like, no, I'm not. I was like, oh, I'm sorry, we got we got to stop here. No. So yeah, no, that was very, like when I had that first phone call, I was so happy. And then, the, oh God, that's heartbreaking. It really was because it realized I was like, shoot, like you actually cannot compete because you're only on the visa. So I was like, okay, that's fine. You know what I mean? Then I'm going to do what it takes to be eligible and I'll try again. And that was, um, that was chopped. And I had done TVs already, uh, but like morning TV shows and stuff like that, but not actually like a food network show. Um, and that's why I was just like, listen, that's cool. Like, let's do it and let's see what it's like. Um, to me, have all these experiences are made the person that I am today. Um, you see different things. You like the more you kind of absorb and the more you you take, could be used in a different setting, right? It's like, well, that time I dealt with, I don't know, like I'm on TV and literally the entire country is watching me, and I, you know, what I mean, like it's all these little things that you learn and that you that you add into your own self makes you a better person, a better entrepreneur, a better everything, a better better man and and so forth. So at first I was just like, listen, let's do it to see what it's like. And you're like, well, actually I really like it. So maybe let's do it in another one. Let's do keep going in that path. How far did you get before they told you, hey, you can't go any further in this competition? So I already had the first few calls and I was to the point where you go into the kitchen um and kind of like show what what you're no. able to. Yeah. So Shoot. I mean it's not like I was on the show. Um but I was just like no, hey, but I gotta... still Oh, it's, you it's, kind of get past all that, yeah. and then you're ready to go in, and it's yeah. like, nope, you can't. Well, I think it's their first phone call, right? And and you know what? It's a m much different now because, obviously, I've done so many castings that you do a casting. Um, I can't say that I've never not had the phone call. Usually, I do get the phone call. Um, so, But, you know, at first, I was like, oh, my God, I got a phone call. This is it. I'm on the show. But, you know, you learn very quickly that you can't get the first phone call. You can't even get into the kitchen. Doesn't mean you're on the show. So, you know, like it's, it becomes something that you just know how to deal with now. You know what I mean? Like, well, cool. Like I'm on the next step. Okay, cool. I'm on the next step. But until you literally have that contract signed saying like you're on it, you're not, right? So you have to learn with. And there's that resilience. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. There's that resilience again where yeah, you move on yeah. to the next and yeah. you move on to the next. Yeah, I think, I mean, you're like, you've nothing is earned. I mean, like right away, I, th I think you have to fight for it. And, but you have to know how to deal with disappointment. I think this is another big advice I would tell people. It's just like, listen, disappointment is going to happen. And for every win, there's like 10 loss. So it's okay. You know what I mean? Like you will still learn from it. You never, actually, you never lose, right? You win or you learn. So, so I think that's once, once you have that motto, I, I think things change for sure. What would you say most people misunderstand about your work? Um, I think what goes into it. I, I think, you know, people, um, I, the one thing that I, that you hear from other people is just like, oh, everything falls into his lap, but I don't think people realize how much work we put into, into what we do. Like I, I don't take days off. I work seven days a week 
um, 10, 12, 14, 16 hours a day. But people don't see it. People just look at, ah, oh, this guy just show up and things like and things getting done, right? They don't realize the amount of work, um, the sweat and tears and the backache, um, the spasm, literally trying to put uh, something in the oven and you're literally about to collapse. Um, it's because we don't talk about this. Again, self-worth and, and mental health, we just, you know, go in with... Our, our game face on and people are just like, oh, these guys just have it, just have it easy. Right. So I think that's the part. It's like the back end. Um, when you click on, you know, when you're in a computer and you click on, on anything, it just opens and work. You know what I mean? And I feel like this is what people think. They don't understand the, the zero and the ones that have to be programmed for these things to launch. Um, so I think that's definitely the, the work that gets into what we do is, is definitely misunderstood. I'm Mary Mammoliti, and you're listening to the Kitchen Confession Podcast. Today, I'm talking with Chef Romaine Avril. I was recently asked to answer this question, and it really got me thinking. So I'm curious as to what your thoughts are on it. Are cities losing their food personalities? So like recently, Toronto, they joined the ranks of like Michelin star restaurants. Do you feel that this will change the food scene in Toronto? I don't think so. I think it's going to highlight it. Um, because I don't think Toronto downtown has a food personality. I think the GTA does. Um, I think the GTA is a beautiful melting pot of all the culture that are represented in Toronto. But when I go eat, I, I don't go downtown. I go, I go, you know, in Markham, in Scarborough, um, in Etobicoke, or where all these beautiful, you know, like I'm gonna say croissant, these beautiful restaurants. Uh, see, like I'm literally obsessed. Um, <laughs> these, these beautiful restaurants have to offer because it's authentic and it's delicious and and yummy. And uh, when you go downtown, I think it's a little bit more um, sanitized in a way. Um, and that's always one thing I struggle with. It was how the city of Toronto was very behind compared to Europe in terms of the food scene, right? I feel like people go into restaurant downtown for the look and not for the food. It's like, oh, this restaurant has a beautiful mural or they have the latest design, but okay, but the food is actually terrible. So um, to me, I don't think so. I'm, I'm hoping that all these GTA restaurants, all these flavors, all these chefs um, have an opportunity to really bring what they can showcase and say this is what Canada food is. Because at the end of the day, Canada food is all these people that have immigrated and have met Canada. And that's the highlight I want to see. You know, I want to see Thai. I want to see Indian. I want to see, uh, I don't know, like Chinese or Turkish, French, whichever, whichever you want. Um, that's what Toronto is. And that's why I love Toronto because you can have, you can try the world into one city. So I'm hoping that the Michelin helps shedding a light on all of those restaurants. See, and then it comes the other side of it. So yeah, like you said, it's a melting pot of cultures. Um, I love to see more of fusion of all these cultures kind of meshing together and creating something unique that is Canadian. Um, but then I go to the other side of it with growing food prices, increased costs of living. How do you see this impacting fine dining restaurants in our city? Yeah. I mean, I mean the pandemic, we took a hit. We all took a 100%. hit from it. And mostly the, I don't think people understand how much of a hit the hospitality industry has taken. Well, it's, it's, it, it's tough, you know, like as a guy who was about to have a restaurant um, before pandemic, literally signed the papers and everything to re kickstarting that process now where it's like, okay, well, things have gone better. 
So now let's get back at it and start to open that restaurant. But the margins... You've had to put it on pause. I had to literally uh, give it away. So we had, oh, yeah, wow. we had signed the lease on Queen and Bathurst. We had it all. Um, everything was, was good to go. Um, but then the, we signed the papers. Officially, the landlord gave us the key three days before the first lockdown. So it was literally... But you know what? I, I'm, I'm happy. I'm happy when that way versus having it six months since all my colleagues who who lost the restaurant fully uh, because of it. So I, I'm not I'm not complaining. I'm, I'm happy it went no, that way. And I'm a strong believer that things happen for, for a reason. A reason. Yeah, no, I right. really do. Yep. I truly believe in that. I know people yep. think it's, you know, uh, just a, a saying, but I truly believe in that. And I think that everything is a stepping stone. So yeah. you went from that... Yeah, from that to where to, you are today. To, 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 to like literally, I was like, how do, how do I pay the mortgage on my house in the next yep, two yep. years? You know, like I, only thing I do is cooking. Like I've never done anything. I've never cooked at somebody's home. I never taught. I never done any of the jobs that I'm doing right now because I had to adapt again, like resilience. You can't just have me kicked in the curb. I have to get back up and do better. So, so that helped. But now I'm, I want to open a restaurant and, especially here in Toronto and then the margins where th that were already so thin are getting even thinner because I can't charge you that extra 30, 35% that we took, you know, like the food has, has this is what this, the increase is about 30, 35%. But if I charge you now 30, 35% more on my menu, you're going to tell me that like I'm stealing from you. But the reality is like, you understand that I could have a restaurant grossing $1.5 million a year, and yet maybe we'll have to share 50, 60 grand at the end of the year, sharing 50, 60 grand, because we've all put 100,000, 200,000 each into the, into the place, and now we're sharing 60 grand. So I'm taking home 20 grand, 25 grand from working literally my ass off every day and stressing and making sure employees are paid and suppliers are paid. But the guests don't know that. To them, it's just like, well, like, I, I can't afford... And I get it because they've been impacted too. So they're like, I can't afford a $160 meal um, because it's an A course or whatever. Now I'm going to... I can only do it once. So we have to adapt. And I want it to be an only tasting restaurant, but I can't do that because I can't have people to come just because there's something to celebrate. If they want to come in and have six oysters and a glass of wine... I have to tell them, absolutely, come on in because that $30, $40 I need. You know what I mean? I cannot just fill my restaurant with 10 course tasting every day. You know what I mean? Um, 365 a year. So we, we again, we do have to adapt. But people, I think it's important that we keep talking about it, that we're impacted and, and then we are at the end, right? Like the restaurant tour, we are at the end of the chain. But there's so many people before that are getting hit even harder. I mean, talk about the farmers. Like they have to sell the onions and the carrots and then the cabbage to people, uh, the cows uh, or the pork, whichever. Um, that has to go somewhere. So if we're not buying the, buying it from them, what do they do? Because they they get they get hit just as hard. They, their pricing goes up, um, but they can't charge me an extra thirty percent because I'm gonna be like I I can't afford your lamb. It's the best one for sure, but I can't afford it. So everybody in the chain is being hurt. Um, and we are at the, the top of it, but at the end of the day, like it takes so many people, like you, we hurting such an entire industry that is so big that we impacting many, many, many lives. Um, cause you know, our chefs are like, oh, whatever, like, you know, we will get that pork from someone else or it's okay. I'll do something else on the side to, to keep up. But at the end of the day, like the cooks, they can't do that. The cooks are living literally paycheck to paycheck. How do we, 
I want to pay them better. I want them to have a better life. I want them to be able to afford things. But the reality is, how do we do this if we can't play the game the way we we should? Because at the end of the day, we should be like, I don't really care what you think, Mr. Guest. This is what I have to charge for my staff to be happy, for my suppliers to be paid, and for me to make an income. Boom, this is a price tag. But the guest is going to be like, that's great, but I don't care. Like, I'll go somewhere else or I will eat at home. So see, and then it goes back to like, how do you manage that? Like, there's, there's got to be some type of balance. Yeah, I mean, to me, the one issue is in Toronto, and the only one issue is, is rent. Like, I, it doesn't matter how you look at it. Um, food will always go up and down. Staff will always have to get paid. They always will have to live. Uh, suppliers will have to get paid. Um, bills will have to get paid. So what is the one thing we can change is the price of rent. This is the one thing that will make a huge difference. Because if you, and I looked in France, I'll ask my friends, I was like, how do you live with so little pricing? Well, because their rent are three, 4,000 euros versus 12, 13, 14. That makes a huge difference. Like you, if you take five grand out of my rent every month, you know what I mean? That's like six, that's like 60K a year, $60,000. That's a lot of money. Now I can live and then pay everybody properly. So the only way to look at it, and and I'm not saying landlord should make less money. Listen, but it is what it is. I understand. It's the name of the game. I'm not trying to change, you know, like how world I would love to, but this is not who I am. It's not, I don't have that power. However, that's where I think when we talk about government and helps and and all of that stuff, like give me 20 grand once, it's great, fantastic. But first of all, you tax me so much on it that I pretty much have to give everything back. And how does that make my life now better? I'm back into the same shit. So that's the one thing that, that we can change and make everybody happy and have everybody taken care of is rent. I think when we are able to knock down some of the rent, things will start to get a little better and people are going to be able to live. Because at the end of the day, like, well, what would I open a restaurant? Like for what? Okay, so speaking of help, let's talk about the tipping culture that's in the food and beverage be, that's in the food and beverage industry. So specifically, what are your thoughts on it? Is it the responsibility of the employer? Is it a responsibility of the customer? Um, again, should the government get involved and increase those wages? When do you tip? When don't you? What are your thoughts around this? So I come from Europe where we don't tip. Tip the tip culture doesn't exist. Um, like a good tip. Is like a Euro- I love that you said that because no one really understands unless you've been there. Yeah. Yeah. So to me, like tipping is actually madness. It's something I'm just like, not uh, two things. When I, when I got here, why aren't tax pricing already on the, like already built in? Why don't I know how much I'm paying? I don't care to, oh, it's, it's $20. No, it's actually 25. I mean, like, no, just build the price the way what I'm paying. I don't give a shit that I see it without the tax. So that was the first thing. And it's tipping culture. I mean, like like I said, you go to a restaurant and you have an incredible meal. You're going to leave like two euros on the table. And that was like an amazing meal um, because the pricing are inclusive of um, of that. So like I don't care if you only leave like 3%, 5%, 10%, 15%, 20 25 30 whatever the case may be. We are paying our employees fairly. They they have a fair wage and we're taking care of it, but our prices are reflective of it. So when we build the menu, we know how many guests we're going to do. We know how many, uh, you know, like how, how much our food costs and everything. And for us to be happy, this is the price we're going to charge. 
and everybody's happy. I mean, as a salaried employee in France, like you just get your paycheck and then that's it. And of course, you're going to get some tips because there's a little bit. People are going to leave a euro, two euros, five euros here and there. But we're talking about like 10, 15 euros at the end of the month, like really like just enough to go for a drink. Um, but I, I'm not really for, I mean, there's something I want to apply when I have my restaurant, knock on wood, um, is to get rid of that tipping culture altogether. I don't think it brings anything positive. Um, you know, like uh, it's, I've seen it. I've seen the, the damage it causes, the, how people get angry at each other. And the reality is like, I don't want somebody to gamble on their life coming to work. That's what it is. You know what I mean? I'm coming to work. Maybe I'll work an entire shift and I'm talking more about a server. Um, I'm, I'm gambling my life. Maybe I'm going to work two hours and going to get caught. So I've made like $15 today and then I'm relying on tips to live. Um, on the other note, um, while I'm a server and I work in uh, those establishments where I'm going to get tipped two, three, four, five hundred dollars, six hundred dollars, um, a, a day and then the cooks make nothing. Right. So I think there's so, so, such a disparity that I'd be like, you know what? Let's grab the whole thing. Literally, it exists. The entire world is not based of tips. There's just like two, three countries that are actually applying that tip system. So again, we always think of, oh, why we know, but if we look at the bigger culture, the bigger, the big, bigger, the world as it's, as itself, how, how does it run? I'm like, listen, it runs really good and it works. So why, why can't we look at it? So if I can avoid cash and tips in my restaurant, I 100% would. And if I know people, it doesn't matter. Like you come to work, you you get, I don't know, let's say $2,000 a month. I'm saying something silly. Um, then you get $2,000 a month, whether you worked a day or six days or whatever. And of course, it has to make sense. And, you know, I'm not going to just pay you for you not to be here. Um, but I, I think the tipping is if we could kind of like get rid of the whole together, um, I think it would be a good idea. That's my personal opinion. And pay you in place fairly. So they know what to expect and they know that regardless, we got their back. Because I want them to to think of the, the business like I do. Because as a chef, employee, I would take care of the, the thing like it's my own baby, even though I'm not making any money over top when I'm getting paid. Um, but that being said, if I want my employees to care about my business, how can I expect that if I'm not taking care of them? You know what I mean? Like it goes both ways. Like I was like, oh, like you're not respecting this glass and or this machine. I'm like, yeah, because why would I? But I think if you show them like, no, 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 like you work for me, I'm going to make sure that you are taken care of and you have medical assistance and you are being paid fairly. And it doesn't mean you're going to make bank, you know what I mean? Like, so what I'm saying, but at least you've been paid for the work you've done. And that's that should be the least we can do for employees. And I think if we build that structure, we can expect them to be more respectful because we are respecting them first. And I think until we don't understand that that's how it works, give and take, it's going to be pretty difficult. Thank you so much. This has been so much fun. Honestly, it's such a pleasure. Thank you for the opportunity. I'm grateful. Thank you so much. It's that time. We've reached the end of another show. Did we get your stomach growling? Head over to kitchenconfession.com for more recipes and foodie finds. Plus, you can check out ami.ca forward slash kitchen confession for all the latest on the podcast. Be sure to leave a rating and review so we can keep bringing you more episodes you'll love. Our producer and editor is Matt Agnew, and I'm your host, Mary Mamalini. Thanks for listening. 